Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Consistent Runner Girls and Notable Peeps, the series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. My name's Steph, and today I have with us Tim Hurst. So Tim just ran a marathon today. It was seven years ago, right, when you ran your first marathon? first one. So how did you feel today on this marathon as you, like, reflected back on? Oh, boy, I felt... I felt so nostalgic. First of all, to run in your hometown... Streets that you drive down every single day and you're extremely familiar with. So fun. And I know the word fun and marathon usually don't go together. (laughs) (laughs) At least most normal people don't think it should. So maybe I'm not normal, but I had such a great day today. I bet. And I bet you're so proud of yourself. Well, I try not to be. I don't want to get a big giant head. (laughs) Mostly, I just try to be an example to show people that just because you know you, you're challenged you could be blind or have a prosthetic leg like me or or a million other things you can still do whatever you put your mind to do no as i have told people about you i've been like guys there's this guy that not only did he go to 50 states but he ran 50 marathons of 50 states and he has one leg and they're like what you know and it really is such an inspiring story um because like you said like it doesn't matter what we all have our own different I think different disabilities that you don't see. You Everyone know? has yeah, something. something. Just are really showing like, hey, like whatever your impossible is, you can do it. So You can do it. If you put your mind to it, you can adapt and you can overcome it. So let's dive into a little bit of your, your story. So sure. um, do you want to start back when you were, was it 19 or 20? You were driving home from school. It's been so long, honestly. I can't remember. <laughs> um Although I'm only 29. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, it's only been nine years. <laughs> no, I'm Tim, actually, what are you talking about? I'm 58. So it's been a long Looking time. Looking good, Tim. 58. But I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, driving. I rode a motorcycle, which in California never snows and hardly mm-hmm. ever rains. So. And then you have the wind blowing in your hair. Yeah, yes. And, and all the chicks. stupid me, because back then in those days, California didn't have helmet laws. I didn't even wear a helmet. A garbage truck, the driver thought it would be a good idea to come to work that morning drunk. Oh. Yeah, and he uh, veered over the line and hit me head on. My bike went under, and it exploded, but because there wasn't much gas in there, it didn't really... That is so lucky. Yeah, that's pretty lucky. But I went up over the top of the garbage truck and landed over the back. Wait, wait, wait. Over the top, like into the garbage? Oh, over the garbage as well. I flew so hard that I went completely over and in the street as the truck drove past. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, this is what the highway patrol report said. Because, again, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, you don't remember. But... And remember, I didn't have a helmet on. Yeah. So I was so lucky I didn't die. I woke up months later, probably two months later, because I had uh, gone into a deep coma um, 
I did not have any brain damage, even though I was knocked unconscious. Um, although, you know, if you ask most people, I can't remember anything. Maybe that was <laughs> a result. Although I couldn't remember anything before the accident, so maybe it's not. But thank goodness, I woke up. I was floating above the bed because they had pins all through my body. I had an entire body cast on all the way up to my neck. The only thing that wasn't covered was my right arm. It received no damage at all. And, but the rest of my entire body was covered in plaster. They had cut holes in it so that they could put needles in and they could operate. And I had, I had a big hole in the chest uh, part of it. And I remember uh, the first time I woke up, I thought it was a dream. And I had hoodoo on my mouth and my nose to breathe for me and everything else. And I woke up. And I remember I looked around and I thought I was in heaven, dreaming about heaven because I was in this sterile white room. Mm -hmm. And I looked over and I saw this angel all dressed in white, this really pretty angel there. <laughs> and I remember I tried to laugh because I thought to myself, boy, I can really use my imagination in my yeah. dream. And it was just too much and I passed out again. So basically it's a miracle <laughs> that you you survived yes. that. And well, then, I didn't tell you the worst part, though. What was the worst part? The worst part, because I slammed on the ground and I bounced uh -huh. over the top of this giant garbage truck. It was one of those kind with the big hooks on it that pick up the dumpsters. Oh, yeah. So it was huge. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, bruised my spinal cord, and so I had no feeling from the waist down. And the doctor, I don't know if it was real or if he was just protecting himself legally, mm -hmm. but he came in and he said, there's a possibility you may never walk again. You know, your spine could heal perfectly fine. There's no tears in it or breaks in it. But there's, since you have no feeling now, there's a possibility that you may never get that back. Well, you don't tell a 19-year-old boy that he'll never walk. I was a second degree black belt in karate. I was a surfer boy in California. I rode my bike every day. I, you know, did all the California stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, the, the day my life changed forever, what am I going to do now? And um, so there I was. So that's how they left me. <laughs> oh man. And then I heard that you taught yourself that you didn't have money for like physical therapy. You taught yourself how to walk again. And yes, that's exactly right. Our insurance was minimal, and um, it ran out. And I had no physical therapy professional. And so when I got out of the hospital after a year, I was still in a wheelchair. And I got home, and I literally had to teach myself and you know there wasn't google back then there mm -hmm. wasn't the internet and i couldn't go to the library very well <laughs> so i would sit there and just imagine um well again when i went home i was still because i had had several more operations so i was still in plaster and after a few weeks when the plaster was removed and uh, I would I would sit there and imagine that my leg would move, my leg would move. And one day, this was after several weeks, maybe a month or two, I was sitting there watching TV in my wheelchair, 
and my toe began to itch, which I never felt that before, mm -hmm. but it's such a normal thing. You don't think about mm -hmm. it. So I scratched it with my other toe. You know how you do that? Yeah. You rub them together. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, this is the first time mm -hmm. in over a year I've moved my toe. And I called the doctor. I had my mom call the doctor. I was living with her because I had lost my apartment. I had lived alone before, but of course... It's hard to work when you can't walk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he showed up with about three other doctors. And it was pretty hilarious because here they are in suits and ties. And there was a woman and she was all dressed all beautiful. And they're all professional doctors. And they're standing around looking at my toe. <laughs> and I remember laughing because I thought, wow, I would like to get paid your money for staring at some guy's yeah, toe. Yeah, seriously. It took me five or ten good minutes of concentration, but I finally did it again. And they all applauded, which I thought was hilarious. And they started to walk out. Well, thank you. And they started to leave. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> what does that mean? You're like, I'm not your cheap entertainment. Yeah, well, what was that? <laughs> and he says, "It my my." Head doctor, my main doctor, he says, uh, it looks like you're going to be okay. You're, um, you're getting feeling back, so you should be fine. And a few, few more days went by and he scheduled me to go get a prosthetic leg. Well, we're talking, you know, 1980 mm -hmm. and prosthetic legs were made of wood. And they built me this thing. It looked like a tree limb and it weighed a ton, but I didn't care. It was, it was fantastic, and I remember putting it on. It hurt really bad, and um, I had a walker like an 80-year-old man, <laughs> and again, I didn't care mm -hmm. because I could actually stand up. It took quite a bit of effort. The funny thing is you don't realize when you sit for all that amount of time and lay down, the first time I stood up, I got lightheaded and passed out, and I fell back in my chair. You know, just being able to stretch your legs out hurt because they had they had uh, gotten really tight because I hadn't done anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, you know, I worked on this again because I had no professional, uh, you know, physical therapist come over. And I worked on this every day until I could actually stand up, go into the kitchen, get my own drink go into the bathroom, you know, take my own bath, got rid of the walker and I got crutches so I could actually go. I remember the first restaurant I went to was Pizza Hut. Classy joint. Yeah, it's, well, you know, it's for all the high class people. Yeah. Know. And I walked in there with these crutches and I felt like, you know, an Olympic athlete. Yeah. And uh, the first time I got rid of the crutches, again, it was only weeks later. Mm -hmm. And I was at the beach, and the sand was really soft, and it was easy to walk on. And I actually dropped my crutches by accident, and I couldn't bend over to get them because I knew I'd fall over. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing there, and no one was around. All my friends had left. They'd gone to go get some hamburgers or something, and I'm on this beach alone. And I was a little panicky, but I thought, well, I'm going to try to walk. And I start walking, and I got about 100 feet. And they showed up, and my crutches are a hundred feet behind me, and everybody was so excited. And again, the progress was amazing. And um, maybe, maybe a year later, I was uh, I was uh, 
the technology in prosthetics also was just flying by, and I had to get a new leg. Uh, this is another thing a lot of people might not know, is that your stump, when you first become an amputee, is, is normal size. Well, it atrophies really fast because you're not using it. And within the first year, you shrink right out of your uh, your socket. Oh, really? Yeah. And so um, the first year, I I think I got two or three prosthetics because I was shrinking right out mm -hmm. of it. And um, and this was after about a year. This is probably my third prosthetic. Well, it was no longer wood. It was uh, it was still old fashioned. It was fiberglass, mm -hmm. and uh, it had a, a little more springy foot uh, attachment to it. But to me, it was it was a third the weight, and it was just wonderful, and I could actually walk quite normal. And I saw a, um, it was like a made-for-TV movie about a Canadian runner named Terry Fox. And he had developed uh, cancer. He was a young man. He was about my age. And he had had his leg amputated because they were trying to get to the cancer and remove it. Well, he had a prosthetic which looked even worse than mine. It was just basically an aluminum pole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he declares, I'm going to run across Canada. And this guy started running a marathon a day, 26.2 miles every day for weeks. He he never completed it, unfortunately. The cancer uh, took him, uh -huh. but he got quite a long distance. And um, uh, story, I mean, I was just bawling watching this, but I noticed something very interesting. He would do this really weird hop, skip, shuffle uh -huh. kind of move. And I thought, well, heck, I could do that. Mm -hmm. So I went down in the basement. I got a pair of I, I, I didn't even own tennis shoes because mm -hmm. what's the point, right? Yeah. I'm never going to run. So I bought a pair of tennis shoes and I went down in the basement and it was an unfinished basement. So it was quite long, mm -hmm. you know, and I started doing that. The Terry Fox amputee shuffle, I called it. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a name. <laughs> and I thought, well, this isn't so bad. You know, I look kind of silly, but I can You're run. like, but I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> and I went outside and I ran around the block, which was real short. But I did it. I came in. I was just dying exhausted. And, and I thought, wow, this is it. I'm going to start running every day. And I did. I started running six days a week, Monday through Saturday. And pretty soon, the block was too small. So I started running around two blocks, or, or or my block twice, and then my block three times. Well, um, <coughs> as you can imagine, they got a little boring. Mm -hmm. So I took my car, and I drove around, and I marked out a little course. Now, it was maybe only half a mile. But to me, you know, I'm thinking, could I possibly run a half a mile? And I started doing that. And after so many months, it stretched into... A, a mile. So I got up to about three miles running. And so I thought, well, heck, no problem. But that was the, that was it. That was as far as I could possibly run because of the pain. Uh -huh. It just hurt so bad. And I, 
would develop sores and stuff if I tried to run any further because of the rubbing and all of that. Well, I entered a 5K and I wore long uh, sweatpants so nobody would see my prosthetic leg, but I probably looked silly, you know, because I was still doing the hop, skip, the shuffle. The Terry Fox <laughs> uh, amputee shuffle, yeah. And so... But I did it, and I and I got a little medal, and I thought, man, that's great. I did that for years and years, and I would read about and think about a full marathon, but I knew it was just beyond me. But I still wanted to do it, and I still thought, and I would I would dream at night how I could possibly run a full marathon, you know. And I was I was like. Maybe I should build a prosthetic with a wheel on it or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a pogo stick or, you know, these outrageous yeah. ideas. Well, lo and behold, after, gosh, years and years, um, I was driving from Salt Lake up to the Ogden area and I was actually 50, I believe, at that time. And I'm driving up there and, and again, I, most people would think, well, you're, you're beyond the age of someone who wants to be that athletic, Mm -hmm. but it was still an interest to me. Mm -hmm. And I saw a billboard and it had a man, a a young man, he was a athlete and he had this just bizarre looking prosthetic on. And, and I, I remember I got so excited. Um, I almost hit a a telephone pole (laughs) and I pulled over on the freeway and I had my cell phone. I called my uh, prosthetic guy and I said, you're not going to believe what I'm looking at here. And he tells me, well, I have to go up to Ogden later today, so I'll make sure to look at this billboard. And the next day he called me and he said, yeah, that's a brand new leg. They call it a running blade. They're brand new. And uh, he said, come in. We'll go through the catalog. We'll find it. And I'll build you one. But needless to say, it changed my life from um, that moment forward. I was running three miles, six days a week. And I remember the very first day I took it home, there was this young gal. She was, oh gosh, probably half my age. And she would fly past me every morning. And we ran the same route every morning. And it would just make me so angry. And that particular morning, she came running up, and I saw her, and I thought, wow, I'm going to test this baby out. First time I had worn it, and the spring was unbelievable. It was it was unbelievable. And I started running, doing the hop, the Terry Fox amputee <laughs> skip. But then all of a sudden, I was able to run normal with a normal cadence and a normal stride, and I hadn't run like that in so long. It actually took me a while to figure out what I was doing. And it felt so natural. And finally, my hips didn't hurt anymore. My body was perfectly straight like it should be. Everything was aligned. My spine, I felt incredible. And I thought, well, she was pretty far up ahead of me by that time. And I thought, well, I'm never going to catch her. And then I thought, well, let's see what this baby can do. You know, it's like a new sports car. Let's mm-hmm. test it out. And I started running even faster and the gap started closing between me and her. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm just going to 
fly right <laughs> past her. And I started this full out sprint. First time I had sprinted in, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And I just flew right past her. And she, she sped up and we were having this neck and neck race while I ended up beating her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> And we met up at the end of the street, and she was just in shock. She's like, what the heck is that? And how did you ever beat me? I went from running three miles a day, which was all I could do yeah, because of the pain, to running five miles a week. And not straining. I mean, easily running five miles. Well, I had to start waking up earlier in the morning because then I got up to like six miles which took me a little longer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having to wake up like half hour earlier. And then seven miles and then eight miles every day I'm running. And then I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what do I do with this? And uh, this was only just a few months, like three months. And the Salt Lake Marathon had come up and, and they always do a half and a full together. Mm-hmm. And I got this crazy idea. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm running eight miles a day. I could do 13.1 miles. You know, that's a half marathon. And I talked to my wife about it, and she's so supportive. She's actually so incredible. Um, I never would have done any of it without her support. And she said, absolutely, go do it. And uh, she said, you know, keep your cell phone on you in case you, <laughs> in case I need to come in case you, you fall yeah. or you break something or you mm-hmm. know and and I did have that incredible fear that I was going to wind up in a ditch somewhere and you know oh, yeah. spend the night there <laughs> and she said and I'll come and I'll I'll be there at the start and I'll be at like five miles and mm-hmm. ten miles and if you have any doubt that you know you're injured or anything call me and I'll find you and take you home and I thought well that's a deal the funny thing is, though, I have to tell you, mm-hmm. I came running in, and you go down a chute, and at the end is the big, uh, you know, finisher's uh, arch, mm-hmm. and you go through that, and everybody is so excited. Well, people just started screaming when I got at the beginning of this chute, and it was lined with dozens and dozens of people on either side, and they were going crazy. And I'm like, yes, this is all for me. And I mm-hmm. remember I raised up my arms. But in fact, and I go through the finish line and all these people came running toward me. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to mob me. I'm a rock star. This is awesome. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't for me. <laughs> the winner of the marathon was two paces behind me. Oh, really? This guy had run a full 26.2 marathon. Two seconds slower than I ran a half marathon. And they ran right past me and grabbed him and started hugging him. And I'm just so with, you know, just complete embarrassment. I just kind of went, okay. I knew it wasn't for me. I knew it was for you. But I mean, honestly, you're running. Uh, You're like, yeah, I would like one leg and do half marathon. People love me. Yeah. Yeah, No, it was, it was hilarious. He stole your thunder. He stole everything. He was great though. Could you imagine? He ran a full marathon. I ran that in uh, two hours and 20 minutes, and he ran a full marathon in two hours and 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's so fast. I, yeah, it's, I can't even drive that fast in my car. <laughs> and my wife was standing there, and she had the biggest grin on her face because she knew what I had done. 
she's like, yeah, that's my goofy husband right there. I love it. Can't even tell you the feeling. Here I go from a guy who was told, you know, there's a possibility you may never be able to stand or walk ever again the rest of your life to running a half marathon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, seriously. I mean, my gosh. Take that, doctor. Yeah, take that. (laughs) Stuff that in your fajita and eat it. The next half marathon I ran was... uh, was Red Rock half, and then I ran the Legacy half. Well, they started getting so easy, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, this is just getting too easy. 13 miles. Can you imagine that? I know. 13 I, miles. People that are listening, yeah. they're like, easy, yeah, one I, leg, 13 <laughs> miles. So I signed up. I kept running, and I, I was scared to death to do a full marathon. And a um, good friend of, of our family she uh, heard an ad about uh, nominating some special Utah who has overcome a lot. And, you know, they can win this big prize from, I'm going to do a plug here, Rubio's Tacos oh, sponsored that. Okay. Which, by the, the way, are the best tacos <laughs> I've ever eaten in my life. And I'm from California, so I know tacos. Okay. Good plug. Yeah. <laughs> I've eaten tacos my whole life, and they're fantastic. And anyway, um, so she signed me up without asking me. Well, part of the deal was you had to run the Salt Lake Full Marathon. And she comes over, and she's so excited, and I remember getting so mad at her. I said, are you crazy? And she says, oh, I believe in you. And and I said, oh, gosh, I I don't believe in myself enough. Yeah. Well, she leaves, and my wife says to me, I'll do the same deal. I will be there at the half. You know you can run a half. I'll be there. If you think you can't go on, if you've hit the wall, just hop in the car. Nobody will have to see you, and I'll take you home. She's your getaway car. Yeah. What a good wife. And I thought, well, yeah, that'll work. And uh, so I I ran the I, – I agreed to do this contest, and I ran the Salt Lake Marathon in 2010. And at the halfway point, sure enough, she was there, her and my stepson. And we, I was, I was hitting the wall at that point. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is it. I can't do this. So I'm going to just hop in the car. And when I saw them, I'm going to get all emotional now. They were applauding. And all of a sudden, all that doubt and all that fear just, boom, it just vanished. And she ran up to me, and there was a table there with water, and I'm drinking this water. And she says, well, you ready to hop in the car and go home? And I said, heck no, I'm going to finish this sucker. (laughs) And sure enough, I did. Then my next marathon was Bear Lake just a few weeks later. Mm -hmm. And again, something happened there that changed my life. I met a man named Larry Malcolm. He has run more marathons than any living human being ever. Really? Yes. And he you is, met him in Bear Lake, Utah? I, well, because he runs every stinking marathon. Oh. He's run over, is it 1,000 or 2,000 marathons. Man. He has his own airplane. He's retired. And he just, he'll run five, six marathons a week. He'll just fly to one and run it and fly to the other. And, and uh, he had a t-shirt on and had... All the states, uh, the initials, you know, like like Utah would be mm-hmm. UT and California CA and all of that on his back. And they all had red crosses through them, except for like the last one, which was like Hawaii or something. And I, I remember I ran up to him and I said, what the heck does this T-shirt mean? 
And he says, oh, I'm a member of the 50 States Marathon Club. And I, this was about his, I don't know what it was, seventh or eighth go through. Mm -hmm. And he would run a marathon in every state. Well, he should have never told me that. I never should have met him because I thought, (laughs) you know, I heard like little angel voices. (laughs) And I finished that marathon and I got home and I said to my wife, dear, I met this guy. He's so incredible. He's run at that time. I I don't know if he had, um, I I swear, I think he had run like a thousand by that time. But anyway, I said, I want to do this. Um, what do you think? And she said, yeah, this sounds fantastic. We were so dumb and so naive. We had no clue how hard this was going to be. It was an impossible goal. Yeah. It's a goal you make that you never actually are ever (laughs) going to fulfill. And I kind of knew it, but I thought, oh, let's just start it. I'll run a couple marathons and I'll quit. So I'd already run Salt Lake. And I had run Bear Lake, but that didn't matter because that was Utah. Mm-hmm. So the um, I waited a few months for a good marathon to come up. And, and our son lives in uh, Phoenix, so the Phoenix Marathon was coming up. So I ran that. And that first year, I ran 11 marathons. I ran one a month that whole year. I missed one month simply because there wasn't a marathon close that I could get yeah. to. And so, um, however, let's go back to the naive part. Yes. There's a lot of training involved. Yeah. I'm waking up every morning at 4.30, uh, running, you know, between, oh, seven to 10 miles every day. Then on Saturdays, the long run, we call it the long run, mm-hmm. where you run, you know, 10, 15, 18, 20 miles on Saturday. Um, and... I became uh, just a real jerk, a run jerk, I guess, (laughs) because my wife would say, oh, honey, let's go out to a movie. No, I'm sorry, dear. I have to run. (laughs) Oh, well, let's uh, let's drive up to Boise this weekend. Uh, Yeah, but I have to get in my run when we get there. So I probably drove her crazy because I was so addicted to, you know, my schedule. Mm -hmm. I had to run every day and. But I did make it up because running 50 uh, marathons in 50 states, we would make it kind of like a mini-cation. Mm-hmm. And uh, some places which were awesome, like Boston and New York, we'd stay a whole week. And then I found out every single state has a completely different culture and a completely different feel. And it's wonderful. And there are so many great people. And... Of course, I don't try to hide the fact. I want people to know that I have a prosthetic because I want to um, break stereotypes. Yeah. So I would get, I would have just kids come up all the time and, you know, point and what is that? What is that? And so I had, at first, when I started running marathons, it was um, to prove to myself that I wasn't you know, handicapped or yeah. whatever. <laughs> we don't even use that word yeah. anymore because it's so offensive. <laughs> we say challenge now. Everybody says challenge now. Um, I don't get offended personally about anything. I love all of it. But um, after about Marathon 8, well, 
I've done eight marathons. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not challenged. Yeah. So I started, I changed my whole frame of thinking, my whole way of thinking. And now I wanted to, um, you know, it's no longer about me. Can I do it? Am I good enough? You know, don't look at me. Don't stare at me. Yeah. You know, I have an amputation. What are you looking at? Mm-hmm. I would, I was so embarrassed to wear shorts. I never wore shorts. I never would go swimming in a public pool. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to know. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm wearing shorts every day. I'm, you know, I'm out in public. I'm going everywhere. I want, I talk about it to everyone. I see someone in a wheelchair and or or with a prosthetic leg or on crutches, and I immediately, I'm really shy, believe it or not, you know. Oh, I wouldn't. Well, and there's subjects too that you just feel embarrassed to talk yeah. to people. Yeah. Oh, totally. All of a sudden, that all went away, and I would just run up to people and, "Hi, I see you have a prosthetic leg." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, they're, oh yes, mm-hmm. yes. Nobody ever wants to talk about it. You You're like twitters. Yeah. Let's let's. <laughs> And, um, I don't know. It's, I have found so many wonderful people that live all over this country. And, um, I don't know. There's, you know, you hear all this bad stuff on the news every night. Mm -hmm. It's just a tiny, tiny part of the United States. The big giant part are all the wonderful people that live here. I have two groups that really help me. Uh, sponsored me quite a bit, um, did a lot of wonderful things for me, was Achilles International. They are uh, actually based in New York, and they got me into the New York Marathon. And they were just so incredible. And they actually um, sponsored my last race in uh, Disney World. And another group is uh, CAF, Challenge Athletes Foundation. And they're just angels in disguise. They give challenge athletes money. They give them, uh, you know, if you need a wheelchair, if you need a guide, if you need a prosthetic, both groups do that. And, uh, um, Dick Trump, he's the, uh, he's the, uh, head director of Achilles International. He was the very first amputee back in the seventies. I think it was 1972. I'll have to check my facts, but he was the very first amputee to run, uh, a marathon and it was the New York marathon. And, uh, I mean, before that they wouldn't even let women run the marathon. And here's this guy with one leg out there. And before that, there was such a cloud of, of misconception and, you know, Oh, you're an amputee. You better go sit down and, you know, take up knitting. <laughs> and here he is out here running, uh, the New York marathon. Although, let me qualify that as well. In all the 58 races I've run, I've only met a handful of other amputees. Uh, it's very, very rare. I I actually uh, researched if anybody has ever run 50 marathons in 50 states with an amputation. And I'm not saying no one else has, but I couldn't find anyone. Find anyone? Yeah, I Google it and everything. And it's so rare. Most people, uh, with, you know, limbs missing, uh-huh. they will do the handcart or the bike because uh... it's just, uh, it takes them months afterward to recover. And as a matter of fact, today I had, um, 
so many little kids who were out supporting, you know, and they'd shake the bells and scream and yell. And as I ran by, they'd put, Mommy, look, look at this. And it was just wonderful because I could, you know, give them a thumbs up and give them a high five as I ran by. And, and these little kids hopefully will remember this and maybe erase the uh, stereotype that people have that just because, you know, you have a challenge, you're, uh, you're incapable of doing unbelievable things. So. Well, and I think that we all have challenges in one way or another. So I think that's a great example. So, Tim, you accomplished your goal. You ran 50 marathons in 50 states. And today you just ran your 58th marathon to cap it off. So are you going to continue running? I, when I, when I got down in January with Disney World, I thought, well, I'm not going to run every day and see how that goes. Yeah. Well, by the second week, I was, uh, I gained like 15 pounds. I still have it. I can't get rid of it. I was uh, depressed. I was irritable. Yeah. My wife says, honey, you can't ever stop running. You have to go run. <laughs> I went running the next day and I felt fantastic again. Yeah. So I'll never be able to quit running or quit running marathons. I've signed up. I have, I actually have two more that I've signed up for and I want to sign up for probably three more, but I'm just going to do local ones mm -hmm. that I can drive to in Utah. So, <laughs> well, because 50 marathons in 50 states is a pretty big one. It's hard to, to it's beat pretty that. big. What I actually am doing right now, I'm, uh, raising, um, I have a fundraiser for, Achilles International and for mm -hmm. uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation. And I'd like to do more with them because they help me so much. I would love to be able to help other people. Um, my leg, my my walking leg costs five or $6,000. Oh, man. Well, thank goodness I have great jobs. Yeah. So, you know, it only costs me, you know, just a fraction of that. Yeah. And my running leg was uh, like three times that much. It's, it's. Man, uh, that's like a car. Yes, I know. Uh, if more people ran, then, you know, the price yeah. would go down, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but. <laughs> so, um, but they will, they will help people who don't have, you know, very good insurance. They will actually purchase them. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, wheelchairs or, or uh, um, those hand bikes or prosthetics or, uh, a lot of things, or even fly them to uh, races and pay for it. And they're just wonderful. And, um, you know, there's no qualification. If you call them up and say, I have a disability, they're not going to, well, what's your disability? Yeah, yeah prove to us. Yeah. That, you know, we want to see it. No, it's not like that at all. It's a big, giant, wonderful family of just... Um, I think everybody in this group is going to go straight to heaven if they die because they are just so wonderful. And so I, I really want to uh, help raise money for, for, for them. them and for other people like me that, um, you know, just want to do something insane, yeah. but fun. Yeah. Well, and is there a link to their website? On your website? It it is actually. Okay. Yes. And, and your website is on my last leg. Very oh, clever. Yes. What well, and and again, who thought of that? Not me. I just run. <laughs> That's all I do. 
My wife is the beauty and the brains. I'm just the runner. She thought that up. Well, that it's very clever, your wife. She's very, very smart. Yeah, it's runningonmylastleg.com. And, and then that's um, your Instagram as well. Yes, and that's my Instagram as well. With that in mind, I just want to say there's a lot of people in this world that aren't upbeat. And, you know, they're wonderful people. And they're just out to protect you, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, oh, you shouldn't do that. I don't know how many people told me, you're going to run? You're going to run a marathon? Oh, you're going to hurt yourself. They will tell you, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, don't take this risk. Don't do that gamble. Uh, don't, you know, don't have any imagination or dreams. <laughs> don't try to change your life. And they don't say it like that, but basically yeah. that's what you're hearing when, mm -hmm. when they tell you that. Don't listen to them. You, you have a little goal. I, I challenge you to bump it up into an impossible goal. Go out and do it. You know, I don't know how you're going to do it and you don't know how you're going to do it. But if you want to do it, you'll do it. And just, just keep saying, I'm going to do it. And you'll do it. Your story really is something that that can apply to anyone, anyone. whatever their impossible is. And so, yes. so thank you for being that person that Absolutely. you you looked at your impossible. You saw that the what was his name again? The um, Terry Fox. Terry Fox. Just think of the Terry Fox yeah, amputee Terry shuffle. Fox inspired you and and now all the people that you're inspiring so thank you so much you are so welcome and it's been so great interviewing you today so um, absolutely and thanks for making the time even when your legs are sore and you probably want to be <laughs> napping after your, your i marathon. uh yeah i'm gonna go home and eat a big giant bowl of rice and take a nap we'll have so. <laughs> have a great meal well thanks guys for listening and just remember to put on your shoes do your best and believe in the impossible I just want to, I've debated if I should like share this little snippet, but I'm just going to share it with you guys. So that day that I talked to Tim, we talked literally for two hours. Like this guy is a hoot. He's so funny. He's so passionate. And at the end when we were talking, I, I wasn't recording and I shared with him a little bit about my, my history and, um, just my desire to, to run faster. And, and he jokingly replied, he's like, you have two legs. You can do it. You know, like it's not impossible. And, and that really has stuck with me. And, and granted, like, I know that not everyone has two legs, um, today or that they can use their legs. Like today I interviewed a guy who, who he can't use his legs. But my whole point of this is that sometimes I feel like we all have put limitations on ourselves that don't really have to, to be there. You know, like his whole point was, yeah, like you don't have any limitations. You have your legs. You can use them, you know, like, and, and sometimes we might think, Oh, yeah, I'm not smart enough. I can't do that. Or, Oh, yeah, I, I can never go approach that person. I'm not, I'm not friendly or outgoing enough. Or, you know, like the list can, I can go on and on and on and on with things. But like that, that conversation with Tim really just stuck with me. And, and he also shared something else that day. Um, he was talking about that race and that this, he was talking to this guy on the race and this guy was like this, like Provo all star, you know, like all buff and handsome and, 
And it was like, oh, this is so great that you're running a marathon and, and just sort of being like, that's so cool. You have one leg, you know? And, and he's like, so this is your first marathon. And Tim's like, oh no, like it's not my first. And the guy's like, I've ran eight marathons, you know? And like, just like, which is an awesome accomplishment. And, and he's like, and the guy asked him, he's like, so how many marathons have you ran? And Tim's like 58. And the guy was just like floored. Because he had put that limit on, on Tim that like, oh, he had one like, like that this was probably his first marathon. And, and I think that like, not only do we do that to other people sometimes, but especially like what I was saying to ourselves. So just being like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not me. I can't do that. And so, um, like honestly, as I've taken this to heart, I've just seen a change in, in my running and, and in my like belief in myself that I, can accomplish my goals. So just wanted to share that snippet with you and let's cue the music. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true. Thanks again for pushing play and listening to this episode. If you want more information about today's guest, head over to www.notablepeeps.com.